So we are dealing with the types of consciences, consciences, types of judgments of a conscience. A correct conscience here, we are imagining or we are dealing with a moral judgment. Because there's an action you must judge. Should I do this or not? To find out is, you see you're making a judgment, you are the crossroad. As you make this judgment, our intellect is correct. When reasoning involved in its application of the objective ethical principles to concrete cases is carried out logically and without any mistake. So what does it mean to judge things logically using your mind without any mistake when you are applying a, a principle in ethics. What principle can we give here? It has been said, uh, do good and avoid evil. That is the general principle. I want to apply it to a particular case. I find a mobile phone left unattended too. I don't know the owner. What do I do? Nobody is seeing me. My conscience tells me, take it, find the owner. Another tells me, take it and keep quiet. So it is there, something there is there. Take it, keep it. Take it, give it to the one. Take it, keep it. So there we are now. In this application, you find that that principle, by the end of the day when you're applying it, you may find that when they ask you, why did you take the, this phone to the, uh, report it to the guild president or to the dean of students, said, I knew that I have to do good and avoid evil. That is application of a principle in the right way. But then, there is also another scenario which you call error of conscience, erroneous conscience. This is based on a false principle or application of a false principle in a bad way. Eh? A correct principle in a bad way, in a false way. Consequently, a false declaring an action to be good or evil. Now, what example can you give me? Shakespeare used to say, man, what does it say? It's a rich estimate. Man eats where he works. He works. That, that's what he says in that old English. Man eats where he worketh. Aha. Now, I'm in charge. Man eats where he worketh. Now, I'm in charge of giving food. I'm the prefect in the school. Now, should I? I, I need to eat. Other others eat. Mm -hmm. I'm done giving out things from the store. I'm in charge of the stores in the school. 
or in a company. Now, uh, I give out sugar to be used to prepare tea for others. But then, man eats where he works, can go wrong. When I begin to apply that principle, actually, you gain from where you are working. But how do you gain from where you are working? You are paid the man. Are you not paid the monthly salary you are paid? That's you are gaining from where you are working. So, don't take extra kilos of sugar from the store because of the principle man eats where he works. You are supposed to be accountable. How much sugar went out and how much should be remain at the end of the term. If to remain at the end of the term in a school setting, at the end of the year, you can say, here are the things that have remained which you budgeted before. Can we share them equally among ourselves? So when I was in Europe working in one of the five-star hotels, called Erika Hotel in Netherlands, and I made in town. So I was there, working, washing plates, of course. Uh -huh. As a student, have ample time, you can work. Now, we had our manager in the hotel. Under the principal man, it's where he works. It was very clear. Those who were serving guests get tips. Is that true? When you serve in a hotel, some coins which remain, if somebody serves you very well, those servers are given some tips. Is it happening in Uganda? I don't know. This sometimes is a poor country. Uh, these things have not. But it's good to, when somebody serves you very well, uh, you say the remaining part of the money, you can keep it for yourself. Now, for us, we had a rule in that hotel. Those who were serving in the hotel, were serving in taking food and drinks to the people. When they get tips, it's not only the man eats where he works for themselves. They said that tip belongs to the whole section. Those who worked in working in the bed, who laid the beds in the hotel where the people stayed, the guests. Those who worked in the hot, hot chicken, hey, chicken, yeah, they're called hot what? Chichen, yes, works in the hot chichen. They were there cooking, but they were not going, they were serving the food, and they were serving tips to do. Those who are going to give tips. For us who are washing the utensils, we never made those who are giving tips, but those servers never use the principal money eat the way he works for themselves. They were very open. All the money they got as the tips, they brought it to the manager. And when they brought the money to the manager, the manager kept that money until the end of the month. And all of us who never made those people where, who are, whom they served in the main hotel where they are eating from, all of us shared in the profits of <coughs> those who, the tips which they got. And they explained it this way. People appreciate that the hotel is working well and they appreciate you because somebody washed the cup clean which, and the plate which you are using to serve. Somebody worked in the laundry who played the table very well. 
Somebody was cooking and who made his things very well and the food was delicious. Somebody did the peeling and all that. So all of us are working towards the goal, a good serving system where the food is served easy, good, delicious, on a cleaning plates, in a cleaning place. Even those who cleaned the mop today, or floor, all of us shared in that. But somebody can use it badly. It is my tip individual. I'm going to serve you. And then you hide the money. That is erroneous conscience. You follow, use the principle, man eats there, he works, and you apply it badly, and then it goes wrong. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. Some parents can use this principle. Yeah. Once I'm your father, I'm in charge. I'm in, this is my house. Don't talk. He has made a mistake. Instead of apologizing, that is an example of an erroneous conscience. Where error has happened, you are hiding under authority which God gave you to judge things in the opposite way. That is error in the judgment. And therefore, your conscience, I am the president, I will tell you when I will. You are the president temporarily. Whether it's 50 years or 10 years or 50, 40, you're temporarily. You're a creature. The day after that, the, the gas goes out with oxygen, and the other anybody comes to cleans the. <laughs> so be careful to use your authority. I'm the manager here. Ah, everybody knows you are the manager, but you are discussing issues. Not about your managerial titles. We're discussing issues pertaining gas. So times people, principles are misused and then they bring into judging things wrongly. Now at times, error of conscience can be what cannot be undone. And we can't overcome it. So of course, invisible erroneous, when we cannot overcome the error by means of which are at our disposal or which we can prudently procure. That means it remains wrong, what has been wrong remains wrong and wrong. We pass it from one generation to the, to the other. It can, can happen also. But the mistake was not recognized. But times maybe even when you have died, other people can recognize that there was such a mistake a mistake said, then they can say there was error in the judgment which they could not overcome at that time. But blessed are we, we have managed to overcome it in our time. But when you are still alive and you can't overcome it, we call it invincibly erroneous conscience. So this one, there are people whose conscience erroneous, mistaken, or whatever, and beatable. Too strong, skillful, even can't be defeated. Too difficult to overcome. So great a difficult, so great or difficult as to imp to be impossible to overcome. Deep rooted, seated, ingrained to be altered. In this conscience must be followed, just as certain 
conscience or so. Now, here he gives you an example. I've not read that second, you can read it in Romans. But then here is that, um, what does Romans chapter 14, verses 23 says about it? Do you have your gadget to help us? Romans chapter 14, verses 40, 14 to 23. What is the message there? Which can help us to show this erroneous conscience. This can be something which has been passed on in a culture for long. And you can't detect it is wrong. So, you, you continue acting like that. Because it has been told to you. And in some families, what can we, which ingrained problems can arise in the social, what is the message? Hmm? Romans 14, chapter, chapter 14, verses 14 to 23. What is the message in there? got the message. It's about the Jewish law called acoustic law concerning foods. For them they have foods which must be eaten and those which should not be eaten. Like uh, <clears throat> so on animals, some parts of the animals they don't eat at all. And being that some were Christians and some were Jews who had become Christians, they were they are struggling. Should we eat this or not? St. Paul is giving them an answer. Those things which you are not used to eat, don't eat them because they have been now. Uh, for example, um, so which example can we give? They have given us about eating. Do you have eating prohibitions in our country? Ah, yes. Do women eat grasshoppers? I'm asking. I'm saying women. I didn't say. Women eat grasshoppers. Uh huh. But formerly women were not eating grasshoppers. And now in Uganda, that's what I know. And uh, formerly women were not eating chicken. Yes. And eggs uh, could eat, but not chicken. Now, say a woman is, on, is there now, uh, why were women not supposed to eat chicken? Yeah, that is, that is, mm -hmm. yeah, many were selfish. That's the conclusion. Uh -huh. 
Well researched. Uh -huh. All right. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. Mm -hmm. Were girls supposed to eat chicken? Yes. Girls were supposed to eat chicken. But women were not eating chicken. <laughs> you have to know that distinction. <coughs> girls were not eating. Girls were eating chicken. But when you become a woman, you don't eat chicken. Now, many were greedy. That's why you say greedy. Superiority. Eh? Yes. All right. <laughs> Because girls eat chicken, but when you got married, you're a woman, you don't eat chicken. Terrible. Anyway, there are clear reasons why, uh, scientific reasons why some women or majority women are not allowed to eat chicken. Yes? Hey. <laughs> okay, we change their what? They become men. Yeah, they change. Uh -huh. To what? Uh -huh. So when you eat chicken, you become more brighter and more and more rebellious towards your husband. And you grow beard. That's why now these days I see some women have with the beards because they eat chicken and chips too much. Yes. I'm not sure. Anyway. <laughs> okay. What I know, that was maybe error and judgment at that time, but there was some truth about it. Women never ate chicken. Why? Because they were being protected. Scientifically, especially mothers, when you get high blood pressure, you advise not to take. You take white meat, but you don't take the skin of chicken. Uh, you don't take uh, fresh fish, especially the skin, because a lot of fat. Fats. So when a woman is pregnant, huh, and she's used to eating chicken, what will she do? She always demands chicken. Because it is delicious. Hayoya. That's it. Eh? That's why she will be happy. And that stove set, that kind of a thing. When there were girls who could eat chicken, when they turned to women, they were not eating chicken. One reason is, Chicken has a lot of fat. And when a woman begins to take chicken and is pregnant, the more fat you take, the longer the child will stay in the womb. Once the child is happy and comfortable in the womb with a lot of fat, you prolong your delivery. Yes, that is scientific. That's why for pregnant women, their food they advise to take, but in a portion. Not much fish, not much chicken, not much fatty foods. At one stage, they advised. 
Am I true? Am I wrong? But that's what we are told scientifically. So in the end, <coughs> you deliver at the right time. But the more there is much food in you, much fat with you, then the child will stay longer in the womb. And that will be a delicacy. So to avoid all that, they put a general rule which cuts across all married women should not have chicken as such. That is one reason. So and they all that avoid fatty foods. And chicken is one of the fatty foods we have. So that was one scientific reason why they could not of course there were many prohibitions. In Uganda women don't cook with miyaji. Who is well, you know what a miyaji is? Oh, they don't cook with miyaji. Miyaji is uh, entura. They have, they have to call them in English. Bitter berries. As those bitter berries, we don't use the stock of the bitter berries for cooking. A man, I can, I can use it, but not a woman. A girl, you can use it, but not a woman. This, there is that hairy thing on those bitter berries, on that, on that stalk, when it has dried. That stalk or that hairy thing, when you put it in the fire, it went and you inhale it because you are inhaling as you are cooking. Then that inhaling, it's gone with that stuff and triggers, the, if you are pregnant, you get a miscarriage. Yes. You get a miscarriage. So, there are many such kind of prohibition. They had made some research for some things to protect the mother and the child. That's why there were some prohibitions. But maybe, to an extent, it was erroneous in one way. Why? They would have said, not women should eat chicken when they are not pregnant. Once you are pregnant, reduce the amount you take. You take. So it took time. Today you are free. You take it. But how many cesarean cases are increasing every day? Okay? So check the research on that. So maybe it was erroneous, but they say if it is erroneous, and in this erroneous, you can fall and do something without, without being blamed. But once it found that it was a lie and the, the training was wrong, immediately, when you continue to do it, you know you are violating the law directly, not indirectly. So in this erroneous, you make a mistake, you follow it, and you do those things, and you do it, you call it, you do it because it has been taught to you in a mistaken way, and you can't overcome it. What is things have been taught which we follow, and unnecessarily? Now, when you found person, you are going, ah, this, this is no longer the case. Formerly, when a man is going out to work, and he could find a woman in the morning, he just goes back, back. Or if you are going on a journey, and then you find a, a rat crosses to that side or to that side, 
Some people stop their journeys. Some people even they say they don't do much. They don't go to offices on Wednesday. What's wrong with Wednesday? If you have, eh? Day of accidents. God created it the day when it's day for accidents. <laughs> eh? Now, the grand told you now. The conscience has been formed when they don't travel unnecessarily. The day for accidents. But you have to do some other things. So, these are some of these things. Until you disapprove them and you have the facts, then you do otherwise. But now you are supposed to attend to somebody. But it has to say, somebody is sick and you have to go. Eh? And then it says, the day for accident, I'm not traveling. I'm not sure. There, you need to check on that. Invisible erroneous, these are the things which you can overcome easily. The false judgments which have been, can be corrected easily. Now here, this one, some of the things we do, we can do them because of relaxation, which you call it invincible erroneous, relaxity, carelessy, conscience. Now here in Uganda we have a careless conscience among taxi drivers. The sea was an amufu. He knocks you and reverses and finishes you. Hey. Yes. That is among the taxi drivers. We go. Huh? That's what they say. Create Now there's also another conscience, erroneous conscience of the bus drivers. They drive if they say border border say ah the bus has more people than the two people. Kidia them. But why don't you slow your bus? You mean it has a low speed limit? Doesn't have brakes in order to help you to save those two people? Those are families. You see two people. But those are families which are going to cry. To cry. Mother, father, children, orphans, widows, widowers. Eh? So, these are kind of uh, invisible erroneous. This is because of neglect, negligence, carelessness. And some people have taken it for granted. Somebody has stolen a, a chicken and then you kill. Now, what is, how do you compare somebody killing a chicken and you coming and stone that person to death? We are tired of these things. And stone that person. And then in the end, what has this story? Chicken. What's it? the life of a chicken and the life of a human being, which is more important? No, we are tired of this. Bob justice. This is the kind of erroneous conscience. Okay? You have to be very relaxed conscience. I'm the child, I'm the prison officer. If I'm working in the prison. You can work in the prison and you go to heaven. If we treat prisoners well. Is there an offense that the prisoners should be mistreated? Is there a rule that if we are prisoners, we have to be mistreated? You have to remove your shoes. You have to remove your belt. Yes, the belt you can remove. Why? You can hang yourself in the cell. Uh -huh. But is it necessary if I'm a prisoner that I, I need to stay without a blanket? 
If I'm a prisoner, is it compulsory that I should I don't need to be with the sandals? No. In Kenya, we are changing that. In Uganda, you can still do what you want. In the East Africa. But in Kenya, we have changed that. People who study, the one who sees the consular sister, went and asked those questions to prison warden in a committee. It's actually called yeah, that is committee prison, maximum prison, like a reserve here. Said, why are these prisoners are suffering without sandals? Or they are they, they are they made crimes and said, what is the connection of what they did and putting on the sandals? We don't have money for them. We said, okay, give me time. I make sure they get sandals. So sister was coming to teach them catechism, and after teaching them catechism, he said, I'm going to teach them catechism for thirty minutes. Thirty minutes, I'm going to take them to work. Give me a plot. So, because they are their chaplains in the prison there. They are not like in Uganda where these people think that with your prison officer, you are mighty. But they are. So, the prison officer listens to the, to the chaplains. These are human beings that made mistakes. But they treat them well. So, they were given land. They planted the cabbages, they planted the skumawiki, all those things. And by the end of the day, the prisoners was selling their cabbages to the outside community. They got money, prisoners got money. And then the sisters bought them sandals. Was that an offense? To the prisoners, to the, to the prison officer, he had a, the conscience was invisibly erroneous. He had the relaxed, he was careless. Prisoners can work for themselves and produce what they eat and they can buy them nice clothing, nice attires. What is wrong for them to put on well? Already they are confined. Feed them well. It's not necessary to pierce their feet until they rot. As the <laughs> Uganda, now they are diverting us from talking about the rotten feet of Itsejirini and others in the prison. Eh? When are, now somebody have arrested him, why do you squeeze their uh, private parts until they are unable to destroy the ability to daily to what? To get children. Why? Those are children. I used to study the behavior in the primary school kids. I'm a prison officer who has been learned. Is that a habit you do? Erroneous, invisible erroneous, carelessness. There are things we do because a person may be, may be a psychiatrist, a counselor, need, somebody needs to be helped in that area to in order to come to a clear conscience. Now, you, you meet a lady who is in a miniskirt. A man, huh? When you meet a lady in a miniskirt, how do you feel? And she went out. 
understand she went away. Your body reacted a bit. But then, so you, you left it at that, reacted. But for you a strong man, other weak men you think about, they think about already taking her to the bedroom and having sex with her, with her. by force, by force. Because, so, where is one people? Don't move with the bedroom mind. A bedroom mind is so terrible that whatever you see, you are just committing your conclusions. So, that's also another erroneous conscience. Because there's nothing, people can put on the way they want. Is it true? It's going to be decent. But today, you can, you can call it a miniskirt, but it's not a miniskirt. Can be a short with a shorty skirt. Because these days they make them. In Europe, they are there. For you may call it a mini skirt and they laugh at me. They make a skirt, but within the skirt, there is a short. They make what? The short itself. Now, on here, you may see, so you don't see the short. But here, you see, only there is a short inside. And even if she jumps, there is no problem. No problem. And for you, you think, it's hard to Oh, it's so very offensive. Ay, ay, ay. And then, ah, ah, no. So, once you train your mind, first of all, we have been traveling, we have seen all this. So, you don't, I don't care whether you put on what, it's your personal problem. What I don't like is this. If you are put on a miniskirt, be, be confident like those European women. After putting on a miniskirt, then you don't come down and pushing, pulling and pulling. Whatever you pulling. Why are you pulling? Let it remain short. Be comfortable. Of course, conscious. Somebody puts on and is not sure. So he knows what would they say. But again, if we know you are going to sit in the front, in a meeting, and you have a miniskirt, eh? don't sit in the front. At that time, it was offensive when a cadaver went to a convention in New Delhi, in India. With her shorty dresses, she was seated in front. The Indians covered themselves very well. There was no need for her to sit in the front. <laughs> eh? She was only, she had put on a trouser. And she was pulling the things. They can't grow tall longer than what it is. Leave it. You wanted it short, short. Because now, already her conscience is telling her, maybe it is a shot. I have to pull it. Now, that is careless conscience. You can overcome it. So, you know, you have this one, a certain conscience when you know the principle has been well applied, do the things. But then, man eateth the way he works. When you manipulate it to shoot your own things, be careful with it. That is erroneous. And these errors, some cannot be overcome at one stage, but others who can overcome them because they come arise out of negligence, carelessness, or mentality which people take on themselves. For me, I have no people. I tell them, if we're university students, I don't care if you put on put on well. If you put on what is short, 
put it in. But if you are going for school practice, what you are going to teach, mm-hmm. make sure you are well presentable in a decent cloth. Where you are not going to offend students, and students are going to offend, offend you. Yeah. Like uh, some, some, in some countries, uh, when you are going to church, you don't put on a jean. You put on a suit as a woman. Jeans are for the beach. For the beach. And your mother takes you from home. These attires have been bought for us when you are going out. To when you are going to the church, we are going to use, we are going to use this from that drawer. And they know very well. But today we are mixing up things because we are gambling. But all this can be overcome. A certain, now we have a collective conscience. That's why a certain conscience. How is it certain? Certain judgment. A certain judgment means that, means that the process of moral judgment is carried out without any, without any reasonable ground of doubt. To doubt the correctness of the judgment. Now, you make sure you are convinced this is certain. I'm convinced. I got when go to my when I went to my wardrobe, I picked this dress to put on today, and this is what I want, and I know it is presentable to me. You walk confidently. People may comment, ah, today I say, no, I know why I put it on. I am I offending you? I'm sorry, but that's there was a saved woman there on Entebbe-Nikitoro for the two days ago. In the evening, she was holding a Bible. Oh, Jesus said this. But you woman, you are putting on a Bible. What point then? Until my uncle found her, said, you woman, are you aware that you are offending people? Preach your word of God. Don't point at the people's world address. Leave it. They are going to sue you. You're offending them. You're not their mother. You tell them decent dressing is enough. Then each one can put decide the distance of the dressing. Like when you go to, I was in Karamoja 1981, the first time I was there, when I took my plane from Entebbe, landed in Soroti, then to Karamoja. I found their majestic men in their natural suit, moving. As they are coming close to Moloto town, then they could cover themselves with a blanket. Their conscience tells them, when you are coming to town, near town, cover yourself with a blanket. Once you are there in the rural, ah, we walk normally with a natural suit. Then you begin laughing because when you laugh, for us we used to walk with our trousers. We bypass each other confidently. I could not do it myself because my conscience had been formed different. For them, their conscience, when you are approaching town, cover yourself. After town, ah, it is too hot. Brother, put your blanket here, move. And you can't laugh, man has a spear. What if you have a spear? 
That was it. For women, ah, they are, they are covering their, they had their short skirts. Mm-hmm. But then the breasts are outside with their beads. Now, what's wrong with the breast being outside? <laughs> Here in the Kampala, it will be, eh, there they are, it's normal. Conscience, certain conscience. So, for having traveled widely for me, I don't, I don't care about people's clothing, because that's, that's it. You go to Europe, you just wonder. Hmm? Yes. You go to Netherlands. In each of these towns you call the modern world, they what you call red light district. Naked women in the whole doing the they are there. We call they, they have not have prostitutes in Europe. We call them command they call them what? They have what they call them sex workers. They are working. That's their conscience. Yes. They're working. Now for us, in Africa, one priest came there, he saw them, told, he rang immediately to the bishop in Mwanza. I'm coming back, here it is impossible to leave. He packed and came back to Africa. Could not handle such people. They said, ah, these people are very obscene and whatever. Who told you to judge them? They have their formation, their lifestyle. Of course, that is Europe. That's Western world. Their formation is different and so forth. But find that so, but when they come here, they are not going to be put on like that. They put us, they put on their short things, but in a very decent way. So the whole thing for me I call it at this level when you have to encounter people, avoid what having what you call the bedroom mind. It can make you terribly disturbed and bring into problems with the people's lives. Now, people certainly, they know what they do exactly and they are clear. So they act with a lot of, uh, like a, those people who, like a, when people, those people who play drama, eh? people in the drama, they just dramatize. But for those who have the uh, other things in the mind, they end up thinking differently. Those are, that is work, business, Hollywood business. It's not your life. Your life is different from acting. So, certain conscience. Then, what I call a doubtful conscience. When your conscience is undecided, you are not sure, don't act. Neither should you force anybody who says, please, no. Please, I'm not sure yet. Don't force them. Because that is, when you doubt, it means you need more time to revise, to have a clarity of how you are going to look act on issues. Then, suspend any judgment. So, as you are making your choices, Conscience puts a human... Have I not finished those one? A doubtful conscience is very clear. Whenever you doubt, should I go or not? Should I go for this wedding? 
Now, when you begin like that, hesitation, don't do anything. Because you may blame yourself for doing when you are not yet clear. And that's one of the challenges you have. So they say when you doubt, somebody may ask you, who ask you, please, tell me. Tell me. Tell me. Why are you quiet? Tell me. And you are continue to be quiet. Please tell us, have we annoyed you? You are quiet. The only thing you can tell them that give me time. I'll tell you. I'm thinking about it. One time, I was told to give an answer quickly because they were taught those tactics. I was with my spirit, told me, please, I need an answer now. I told him, not now. How long should I give you? Just give me two hours. He was a white man. Give me two hours and give you an answer. Let us discuss with my other person who was my sub-spirit. So he drove off. He went. Immediately as two hours elapsed, he was back. Uh-huh. An answer. He said, yes, now we are ready to talk. I gave him my mind. He said, okay, now. Uh, was I, if were I to give my consent quickly without measuring and pros and cons, I would have blamed myself. When he left, we started, we started discussing issues to see if we do this, if we do this, if we do this. Because I was doubting. And we said, okay, just give him this answer. With reasons A, B, C. And with the questions A, B, C. Because I can give you reasons, I can give you questions. As I said, I'm ready, yes. But then, what about this? What about this? What about this? These are my concerns. And these are my reasons why I'm saying this. But at times, that's why you study critical thinking. One person was telling us we were having it that here they disturb us with the critical thinking. But when you're there, we are not needing these things in life. Ah, when you are cornered, people is good at cornering people. Don't give a quick answer when you are not in an exam. When you are in an exam, you are given a time. Give an answer if it is necessary. But if you have no answer, don't give an answer. And ask for more time to be given. Because once you give an answer to where you have doubts, you are causing yourself a danger. You remain with a damaged personality, regretting why you said yes, whereas you are still doubting. And never say yes when you have doubts. So here they say, this is when one is in a state of uncertainty as to the lawfulness of the rightness of an action. Now, at times you may doubt the law. Please give me that phone. Ah, who are you? I'm a policeman. Why do you need my phone? Which law prevents me to have this phone in this country? 
No, you give me, I will give us a phone. You don't, don't you? Okay. Give me the, where did you get the orders at Yeshua? Okay, like in the school setting. When you come, you surrender people, when you're in secondary school, you surrender phones. Hey, that's a lot. But now at the university, if somebody tells you, give me your phone, please, just go into the yearbook and tell whether I'm supposed to give you a phone. Who gave you the law? Who gave you the permission? If somebody has a gun, it may intimidate you, yes. But if you know has no, then you continue saying no. I'm doubting whether I should give it to you. Eh? Anyway, so at times maybe you doubt the law or you doubt the rightness of the action. Don't act. Doubtful conscience is not binding. Conscience puts a person before a choice that either leads a person to self-alienation or self-actualization. Are those words clear for you? Self-alienation. And then self Actualization or realization can be any. Either realization or actualization. Now, what is alienation? Any action you do which is contrary to promotion of life, you are alienating yourself from being human. Any action which you do, which discredits a human being, you are alienating yourself. Even if you come and kick me, eh? pierce my feet, tear gas me as you want, because you have the cancer, you are alienating yourself. You may be acting on orders, but what you know, what you are doing, you are suffocating my, the person, and you are irritating the eyes, and the person is inhaling in poison, which in one year or many years to come is going to suffer from lung disease, and eventually, even if we suffer from lung disease, is a member of your nation and you end up paying for the medication of that person. Even if you don't pay for the medication of that person, that person, instead of using money to promote, to do some good business for the nation to develop, is going to turn the money on treating himself, himself herself. And that's the poverty in Africa we have. Not because Africa is not, we have received money from Europe. A lot of money has been poured in this continent, but you don't see its impact. You don't see. Missionaries are dying off the white men here in Sweden, many with one, one brother. But if they tell them the amount of money has been poured in African nation, they wonder. And they are tired. Because even the generation which was giving us money. The old people are dying of corona has killed them. So there were those who are, they were rich and they were generous. 
the people in Europe like you, majority of them are struggling with life. And most of them have postponed their adulthood. You know what postponing adulthood, what means? At 16, 18, a child in Europe left the mother's house to begin hiring their own apartments. Today, many of them can't eat until the year 27. Nine years have been added on to become an adult in Europe. Here in Uganda, <laughs> some people are 40 and they're still in their mother's house. <laughs> they are postponed their adulthood. Boys get married and they bring the children to the, near their mother's house without even putting up a superior structure for themselves. So we have the challenge today. Don't do anything which makes you a slave. You may do something thinking you're enslaving others. Oppressing other people, you are oppressing yourself. And it minimizes the goals for your life. You may meet them economically when you steal from others. You may think you are amassing property, but you may end up wasting more money. What do you do? After amassing a lot of money from others, you waste money which you have used to do something better. Then you build a perimeter wall around yourself. So, Money on the perimeter wall is a lot of money, which should be used for something else. Now, another thing is, about this doubtful conscience, which should not make you to act, uh, could be, here they talk about um, the cause of doubt, the causes of doubt. What are the causes of doubt? I may doubt because because of, of security of facts. When the facts are not clear, why I should be acting that way? A doubtful conscience does not mandate. I enjoyed this when I was young. I was in the seminary here. Sorry. Time came, there was no offense for me to continue with the priesthood. I was set to go to Katigon in 1981. I told the bishop I'm not going. I told him, I'm not going. I doubted whether I can be there. That was exciting for my family. I'm going to the major seminary. I told my mother, it's not time for me. I don't fit, I don't think I'm going to go there. But why? You have a girlfriend, I say, I don't have. What is it? I'm, not, I'm, I'm doubting whether I should be going there. The bishop said, what are we going to do? We can't force you. You don't want to go? Yes, I'm, I, I want, but I'm now, not now. I'll become a priest later, but not now. What do you want to do? I want to go to do from five and six. Okay, I did it. Then after from, during that time now, I started again longing to go back. Then when I wanted to go back, after senior six, the vocation pastor told me where I would apply, Benedictine said, no, we don't take a boys. Because here they could take a boys in the diocese. In the international congregation, said, we don't take a boys. You have finished senior six, go to the college, go where I was being sent. So I went to Chambogo. 
I think I was ready after becoming, finishing my course in teaching. I said, you are finished, good. But again, your professionalism has not matured. I need you to go and do two years of probation. That was the minimum to become a fully teacher. You have to do two years of probation after your degree, after your diploma. So that's what we did. Only after I fulfilled those conditions, he took me now. Now come. I, then my doubts were no longer doubts. Now I was firm. I was firm. Time was ready. I should go. And I went. Things turned out to be like that. I became what? I refused to become. In about two, hmm, 12 years later, my first set became priest in 1988 because I doubted I became a priest in 2000. But I was not hurt. I made my choice with confidence. Many of those who went there, for me, I refused. Many dropped. Now we meet, say, hey, we thought for you I'd divert, diverted. Say, no, I didn't divert. I just doubted. From, for you went on and things didn't work. For me, I doubted that when I'm confident, I went on and these things worked. So when you doubt, don't act. When you, I was not clear, what am I going to do in the major seminar at that age, 20? For, for why? I needed to have more maturity to go on. Yeah. You may doubt an obligation. Am I the one to do this? No. That's why you find that in the modern countries, apart from this one, which is still struggling, a president resigns. A minister resigns. Like as we are going through, the Minister of Internal Affairs should have already resigned in Uganda. We don't have those bombs here. In this city, in this city, no. should tell us. The security, chief security officer should have resigned. Or give a credible, why? The chief intelligence officer should have resigned. Should give us reasons. What are these funny things happening? When you doubt your obligation, you are free to resign, to step aside and do things else. So these things happen. So don't act with a doubtful conscience. You go to look for a job. They give you conditions you can't fulfill. Don't take it. Not because you need money. You'll get another one. No, you say, look for a job. I'm, now I'm this one, I got this one. But then you get that with the conditions which are impossible, which are going to alienate you. You not reach the goals you want. You say, no. I'm sorry, let me lose the job. Eh? So these are the things we need to look at. Then apart from those certain doubtful conscience, we have also people with weak conscience. We call them affordable. Weak. There are people who, who can't make a decision. They go with the bandwagon with the wind. If you go this way, now you can find that you may get Political prostitutes. Have you ever heard about them? Hey, they move from one party to the other. They are eating, they are paying the debt. They are this way, they are this. They don't take a stand. I was meeting the former MOP of this uh, southeast of this much in the, uh, Mr. 
Sajali abene. Sawa was congratulate him. He's a new member. Say, you fought. You are those 110 who were beaten up in the parliament by the foolish military of Uganda, attacking your own structure, beating people. Because they are saying no to the constitution. They said no. So he said, though you are not an MOP now, you are, but you, you are standing for right things. A constitution must be respected. We call it the common good in the politics. You don't simply tamper with it whenever you want. Why do you change the goalposts? Today we are scoring from that corner. Today we bring it closer because we want to win the match quickly. You know, the goalposts, that's why they're always a farm here. You have to struggle from there. But because somebody wants to score quickly, you bring it in the center. <laughs> so I said, congratulations. Hey, weak conscience. Anyway, how do we make this conscience? Like I was told you, uh, some people just get, get lost with money. As soon as someone sees money, ah, ah, their heart's gone. Money is a fluid. Eh? Do you know what is fluid? Money is like a water. For us to have touched money, we know money is a fluid. Money comes and goes. But you remain. Money should not ashamed you. I was told that I was in Europe. Uh, after the hundred parish key, parish what? The parish keys and whatever the priest is going out, he took me to the safe and said, This is a gift to the safe. He opened euros, pounds, dollars. I saw them. I didn't touch them, they were not mine. They gave me what I needed for my stay there. But that was not money for the church there. I left it. You don't touch. Course. But if you have a weak conscience to make funny decisions, you can't make a decision at times which can make you. Have you seen people who can't make a decision as a youth? They go with the bandwagon. We are prepared. There is a match here. There you go. Uh, they can't say, today I have another program, please. I'm not coming. You did not tell me any time. I'm not joining. You mean you are not our friend? Uh -uh. My friendship is not about where you are going. My friendship is about me and you. And if you are, my, you are my friend, tell me in advance. We have a party in the next two weeks. I inform my parents in Italian. I inform those in charge in Italy, in Italian. That, oh, when I'm making a program, I should have a program. Now somebody came to me this morning, Father, I want you to come. We are I, I, I married them. I, I, I blessed them their marriage. I didn't marry them, they married each other. Uh, I blessed their marriage. And uh, uh, now we are 25 years in marriage. 15 of official in the church, 10 when we are, not, when we are still living in our normal way. But we wanted to make it that way. It is at least 25. A union of 25, 10 unblessed, 15 blessed. But then he said, so he booked me for 16th already. He said, yeah, I have nothing on the calendar. Let me encircle it immediately and the time so that when anybody, anybody comes in, I tell them, however much deal you have, have an agenda with this man. I'm not going to waver. 
This man has entrusted him. He trusted me. He told me we are going to bless our marriage when I had just come here. And for me, I don't bless marriages. Moreover, if we don't have a house, I don't bless your marriage. So far, in all those 21 years, I blessed only six couples. Only, and they are on the condition you have a house. If you don't have a house, don't list, put me on the list to bless your marriage. Because I don't want street kids. <laughs> Where will I go? You have no home. Where will I find the children? Streets? No. It's good I'm not a bishop. I would have put condition a bit harsher than that. That if I don't have a house, no marriage. If you have no potential to get out, because people are struggling today. And I know, once you, you have children, and the firstborn reach P7, without putting up a house, you will never build a house, unless the fortune comes from someone else. That's my little experience. You must endeavor to put at least two rooms before your child reaches P7. If you don't do that in this country, you never. It is very, very hard. That's why for me, I insist, have a house, then we bless the marriage. Blessing the marriage is just, it's very easy. But putting up a house to make a home, a home, it's not that easy. Therefore, this wicked conscience must be dealt with. You help people, when people can't make a decision, they turn to you, help them out. A time they want to call a perplexed. Somebody comes when he's confused. What should I do? What should I do now? Times in this conscience. Should I say yes or should I say no? They are crying. Should I chase them or will not? Perplexed. There, <coughs> you need to come down and make a decision. Therefore, it is an it is erroneous, it is erroneous conscience confronted with the two alternative uh, instructions, precepts, fear or sin. In whichever direction a decision is taken, in this situation, for example, a witness in a crime is being offered presents by the criminal. Now one is charged and give you presents. Come and be my witness. Yes, he or she is supposed to witness in the court. Now, what should I do? Take the gift and testify that this man did not commit a crime, or not to take the gift and say, This man I saw him with my naked eyes. I didn't have an event spirit. And my eyesight is very clear. And he did this. Even you, my neighbor, you come and witness like this. No, being a neighbor is different. This is a crime. Okay, we are dealing with a case. We are dealing with. I've not going. I've not said you are not my neighbor. But where is the truth? The truth is not in being neighborhood. Is in what? Did you do it or not? So that people get perplexed. Should I? What if it's my relative? Has killed the person. What should I, what side should I be on? I'm the side of the one who has been victimized. 
not my relative. But then it is not easy. Hmm? So, but that's what is the complex. So, there you need to be careful to make a scrupulous conscience. Oh, today I didn't go for mass. Father, I didn't go for mass for Sundays. Why didn't you go for mass? You know, you see, the guest came, and this is my mother-in-law, and she came at the time I was going for mass. Okay. Now, what? who was to care for your mother-in-law? There was nobody. Okay. Is there a sin there? Is there a sin? You are the only person at home. You are going for mass. The mother-in-law comes uh, to attend to you. Unless you say, you convince the mother-in-law, can we go to the church together? But you can't leave her there unattended. And we call it charity. What the good Samaritan did, the priest went, the Levites went, the good Samaritan picked this man who is half almost half dead, gave him care and took him in the inn, paid the man and said, and after today, that good Samaritan is being prayed. Praise He missed going to the synagogue and took the man who had been beaten by thugs. Now, with a scrupulous conscience, people here begin to reason as if God is terribly annoyed about themselves. They begin to be, even they, they begin to count how many times they have not gone to church. Of course, some people are negligent. Is that okay? They don't want to arrange. If I on Saturday arrange everything very well, that I need to go to church in the morning on Sunday, you iron the the day before. Why do you wait to, I, I was still ironing and then the power went off. That is negligence. You prepare the day before, the clothing you need to put on. You make yourself time. But if you imagine, say, here when you are scrupulous, these people, they see sin even where there is no sin. They see evil where there is no evil. Now, Somebody was asking me a nice question yesterday. In Uganda, we have what we call the Chogero. Eh? Do you know what is it in other cultures, how they call it? Eh? Do you know the Chogero? When a child is born, they go to the, to the bush, to the garden, they cut different types of herbs. And then they boil them in order to base this child, not with plain water, and it's medicinal, which makes the skin, I think, also to more, become more what? Strong and so forth. And even at times, they give them some drops to eat. It's medication. Now, somebody would ask me, um, is there evil in this thing? See, I don't see evil. If God planted, made those trees, created them, and they have ingredients and can help a child to develop normally. Where is the evilness in those plants? And if somebody has planted evil in them, so what you do, get a cross, pray over them, 
I'll best the child. Finish. Is there anything wrong with the backup clubs? Before the white man came, we were putting, we were putting on the backup clothes. Before the white men were using the backup clothes for our babies. And some people still use them. Very, very, very warm. Very warm. It is warm. Babies. Mm -hmm. We use them as clothes. At the same time, we use them beddings. The people in the traditional shrines also were using them. Now, when they become evil, when you put them on, they are evil. When they are used in the shrine, that when they, they are turned, actually they are manipulated to be used for us evil. But the back of clothes per se has no evilness in it. It comes just from the Fiji tree. Then it pounded that back, then it expands and becomes a nice clothing. So that when you are becoming the heir in the Buganda, you they come and say you are the heir of your father, and then they bring that bag of clothes for you, and then you have to keep it on as a symbol of authority. Now, some people have, have adapted to their own religions. They call themselves this, from what? I don't know. But then, all of us are saved by Jesus. They say, going for funerals is evil. Digging around the graves of their parents is evil. Well, people can spread it. They can see evil wherever they want. Beer is evil also. Uh -huh. Jesus made the wedding had come. Those who take it badly, abuse it, they become alcoholic and addicted. They are the people who have the problem with their evil. But so, but a scrupulous conscience, these are many. Like when somebody sees the lady with the mini skirt, already judges them, those are prostitutes. They are called, okay, the challenge is easy. Nowhere to put your uh, short uh, mini skirts. They want to call, uh, there are different types of clothing where lady puts on. Is it true? They want to call nightwear. Eh? You can't put a nightwear during the day. And you know where you go for the nightwear. Is it true? If it is for night, use it for night. Don't use it during the day. Actually, you're offending yourself, not anybody else. If not, it's a day to go to the beach, go. And if you happen to go to the beach, my brother is here. Don't go with the bedroom of mine. Let people enjoy life. That is their life. That's a beach. You can find anything, anything there. So don't go with the scrupulous see? conscience there. Leave people to do their things. People get their emotionally disturbed because of one thing or the other. The are by these people, you need a psychiatrist, a counselor to help you. Here now, there are some rules. These are not, uh, not going to do. You know, when I deal with the conscience, God will ask me, is this topic examinable? I'm asking you. Is this topic examinable? You don't want to give me an answer. Eh? 
To what extent is it examinable? At times we teach topics. Because they are supposed to be taught. And they are not taught for examination. If they happen to come in an examination, yes, it can. But they are taught for matters of life. To know that when you are acting, I told you, ethics is surrounding around what we call the human act. Where we do things knowingly, willingly, and consciously. And the conscience falls into this again. Where? Uh, it's not for me to tell me, Father, when I'm acting, now I'm acting with a certain conscience. I'm acting with the collective conscience. Uh, but now it's to tell you that in ethics there are principles. And these principles are governing generally. By the time when you are called upon individually to account for what you are going to do, and before anybody judges you, your inner voice, that harmonizing voice in you, will judge you. And nobody will even, you will make yourself nervous for nothing. Because nobody knows what is within you. But when you dare to act, act when you know it is me acting. Whether you are certain, whether the principle is used correctly, whether you have no doubts at all, if you doubt, you don't act. And when you know that you have a wicked conscience, or your brother has a wicked conscience, what do you do? What does St. Paul tell us? If you are living with a brother with a, with, with a what? With a wicked conscience, what should you do? Don't scandalize, scandalize them. Because when they are eating the meat, meat which is offered to idols, should we eat it or not? And then St. Paul said, for the sake of your brother with a wicked conscience, don't, don't eat. But for the sake of your brother, if he has a strong conscience, then there's no offense in eating meat offered to idols. Now what if your neighbor has a shrine? And the exotic cow, and for you are not in what that business of going to those shrines, and it offers you some meat. Do you throw it out because I've been offered in that shrine? Hmm? You throw it away because the demon may enter into you through the meat. No, it's how it depends. And peoples. So anyway, have to be. But for this, what if your children say, but mommy, don't eat that thing. That people are not good. And you continue because you are hungry, you want to eat. Your children will go to doubt. Eh? Is mommy eating the, the, the things which are offered by those people who are not good? So for the sake of your children, there are things you don't, you don't do. For us, we don't is right. You can do it. There is no problem. But for the sake of others. Now, what is wrong for a priest? Uh, for us, when you have formed, you said, if you have a drink, and take a drink, never go to substandard uh, places. I can go to Kabananda, I have a drink, but I can't sit in a cassette there 
and they have a drink. But the same drink, same alcohol content. But the place where I sit matters. For us, in Kenya, for us, we don't go to the, you go to first class hotels. That's why, that's why you, you are found, you can eat. Now, once this, if you find a sister taking beer, how would you feel? <coughs> in Uganda, it is not common. The Kenya is open society, there are many missionaries there. White son was able a sister taking a beer in public is not an offense. Ah, in Uganda, ah, sister, but I mean, so. They still say take it. But, yeah? Do women don't, women, is there no rule which prevents women to take a beer? No. But they should not, they should be careful where they take beer from. And with whom. And they should make sure they don't get drunk. Neither should men get drunk to remain sober in their actions. So, so now, so here I have to deal with the question of rules governing. There are rules governing uh, con governing conscience. Here they say a collective conscience and certain conscience is an unconditional norm of human conduct. One has to obey it when it prescribes or forbids an action. So when it is correct and certain act, if it tells you act, it tells you no, don't act. Don't act. So when you doubt, don't act. When something is not is invincible and is certain, then you can act also. You can't overcome it. Hmm? Like it's those women who followed their conscience and uh, didn't eat me chicken at that time. Can you call the, our grandmothers too, too naive? They accepted those laws? No. Today we say, even they, they didn't have even the power to say, uh, no, you people, why do you oppress us? But my grandmother, his, his husband died when she was still young. When I met her, she was by herself, living by herself. But she never took chicken. The husband already died. She would have said, I take chicken. But she did it. So her conscience directed her like that. My mother never took chicken herself. Until she died three years ago, she never took chicken. Why? Instead, she reared rabbits. Yeah, it's white meat, very silky chicken. She read rabbits, and there's no offense for women to take rabbits. So, she enjoyed the rabbits more than she, she didn't take chicken. Eh? So, that's how she was brought up. That was maybe erroneous, whatever. And a certitude, when you are certain, you obey those consciences. The second rule is that forbids us to act in a doubtful conscience, which I've already said. How do you solve this doubtful conscience? Here they talk about it. It follows from a second rule, blah, 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 yeah, which uh, has to solve the doubt before acting. 
The first one, reflective principle concerning the morality, the safer course. Uh -huh. Now, when you doubt, here, when you doubt, they take the safer course. What does it mean? I'm driving. I don't know where I'm driving. In Uganda, we still have a speed limit. Speed limit where? I sit on only Masaka Road from Masaka to Rukaya. That's why the police can stop you occasionally. Here we used to have a speed limit from Kawuku, Namalanda there up to Garuga. Now it's no longer there. And accidents are increasing. But at the occasion of Masaka Road, they use those gadgets and to check the speed limit around the Katende there and other places. Now, when you doubt that am I driving 50 or 60, as I'm giving an example here, should I drive 60 or 50? What do you do? You take the safer course. You go to the lowest possible uh, risk. Because I don't remember, should you drive with 60 or 50? Let me drive with 60. Now, at times here, you can say, did, uh, what other example can I give that is about driving? <coughs> here is about, so to avoid being booked a ticket. Yeah, so. Now, which other example can we say? Can we give? Uh, about doubting and taking a safer course. Give me some examples, class. If you understand. Have you, have you never doubted at all? Because I'm talking myself. Have you never doubted at all in your life? Should I go for the party or not? Should I go? Are these guys I'm going to be with, are they good? Oh, yeah. I go to the party. Yes, I go to the party. I go, I go. But I doubt whether I'm going to stay there long. When it reaches nine, I'm still in the garage. I disappear. And that was my own way when I came We used to go for dances here. It's boring. It's so good for the boys. It's used to make it vibrant, not me. Why don't we go for our dances? Transnet. But we are going to go for transnet. Because what the chaplain was called Father Marquis. He could come for our dance and open the dance with a white mark. Scotch. The right is Scotch like dance. So he could open the dance. He was there. It was very tactical. The dance opened around the eight. But he never stayed in that dance hall. When it reached 9.30 by 10, he goes around walking, chatting, by 9.30, 10, he goes back to his escape. And for us who already made to be scenarios, we made it clear that we walked and we went, when it reached 11 midnight, we escaped. Because we had nothing to Beyond the midnight, what do you do in the dance? <laughs> funny, funny things can happen. Kicking, <laughs> bottle, and whatever. For us, we had to dance with us, and ourselves. 
sleep. That was right. Hey? You know, when they are doubting, when they are doubting, you find it easier or not easy. So, anyway, when you doubt, don't act. And when you doubt, be tactical. Take a safer course. They are divided into a pattern. If I don't appear there, there is some, this person, but make sure, if you go, go and make terms for your living. For me, I don't go with the people. You first tell me, when are we coming back? If we don't know when you are coming back from the place where you are going, I'm not going with you. I'll go with you on the condition. He said, okay, we go. But I'll find my way back. With experience, that's what I've experienced. I went with somebody somewhere. We agreed to pick me at this time. He came back at the following day. But for me, tactical, I saw it when it was coming to six. I left quickly. I got a taxi and went back home. But now, if we are, we are two in a home, eh? we, are, we are staying in a home with our parents. You go with your elder sister, you go with younger sister, and then tell says, please wait for me. And when time is going late, go, well, going back home, I was not betraying the person. No. But I was going to lay on the street the whole night. I took the safer course, because that was easier. Other than all of us say, all of us are in the wrong, no. So, make sure, take the safer course in the best way possible, as soon as possible. Be practical, to avoid some misunderstandings. If you doubt whether you have paid your taxes, or, and you cannot directly investigate, to get information about the deadline. So the safer course is about what? Check with the revenue, now international revenue authority, URA. Or it is not necessary to do so, if it is not, but if it is not necessary, don't do so. But what do you do in the safer course? You can pay twice. They forward it for the next year in modern countries. If you are doubting, you have lost the ticket, you don't know the country, pay twice. Like, so that's what we needed to do in a, One of the things here we are told, act when you are certain, correct, and when you are not, there are no mistakes. Doubting always brings you to that. Don't act when you have doubted. Whether you doubt the law, you doubt the principle, and they say here, when something is, you are doubtful, it's not binding. Like people, you want to enter into a marriage. You doubt where this man will make it to be a good husband. <laughs> now, what are the indicators of good husbands? Or good responsible people? Or good spouse? Husband or wife? What are the indicators? Reliability, patience, 
hard working, but it's not, you may work hard and you get rich. I've seen this. That may be when you work hard, you get rich. There are many factors make you to get rich. Not this rich as we have at times in Uganda, which is funny, but I mean real richness. May not get far. And then when you doubt, what do you do? That's why some people postpone their marriages until they have stayed with the people for some time. But even some stay for 20 years and they are not sure. Now, why do you stay when you are not sure? Eh? So the best thing is to be sure as, as soon as possible. Eh? As soon as possible, make sure. If you are not sure, doubt. If you doubt, then the degree of doubt may matter and work upon those which causes the doubt. Probabilism. Now, here, you are not so much dealing with the probability. Life is not about probability. You are doubting whether Arsenal will beat Manio, Manio, Chelsea, whatever. Those are just gambling. That's not doubting. Eh? So, that is gamble. That's probabilism, probability. With the doubts, it's about more about issues, whether, and you have to take what is a better course so that you don't live in regrets. Living in a regret, always to say, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish. You die, you, you die with a damaged personality. Everybody comes and you say, I wish, I wish. Whoever comes is as if you are the victim in all the circumstances. Why are you not the victor? Eh? Because you might have acted with a doubtful conscience. <clears throat> so make sure, make a proper investigation. So with this conscience and critical thinking, they can go together, analyze the things, make sure you know that you have some information, act knowingly, act cautiously and freely. I think I can stop there today. On Tuesday, we are going to discuss laws, laws, the nature of laws and the types of laws, the characteristics of a good law. These are the things we are going to discuss next week. And then from there, I begin to talk about human rights.